welcome to the Productivity Podcast. Delighted to be joined by Stuart Cross, who's owner and director at Morgan Cross Consulting. Afternoon, Stuart. Hi, Simon. How are you? Good, thank you. Friday afternoon, we're recording this one, so best till last, I think. So, Stuart, you own and run Morgan Cross Consulting, which focus on coaching, strategy development and performance sprints, and you've got a number of books that have been published, which I'm in awe of. Do you want to give the listeners a, a background of how you got to where you are today? Sure, yeah. I can, I've been running my business for nearly 15 years now, and it's, it's cornered, it's centred on strategy, helping companies with strategy. And, and before that, I ran the strategy team for Booster Chemists. And then we, we did a merger with Alliance Unichem. And so at that point, I left them and kept them as a client. I've been able to work with other retailers, non-retailers. And I've had a ball over the last 15 years doing strategy work with a number of different organisations. Including us. <laughs> including yourselves. Including yeah, Rethink, yeah. We? we did. We had a good session last year, warm and sunny, and we did... We did the hard work walking to the pub, I think, didn't we? Which is where all the yeah, all the best ideas come from. No, it's good, and it it really helped us focus on some things that we've we've done for the future. This podcast being one of them, actually, because that was part of the the plan to have a wider reach and do some different things. Yeah. So we found massive value in that, and can't recommend you enough. Cool. I'm not I'm not here to sing your praises. We're here to have no, a, a meaningful on. discussion. Cool. <laughs> we're we're in. A bit of a strange time, lockdown week five, six, I've lost count of the weeks and the days, to be honest. We're in a place where people are taking stock. Some people are probably having a long holiday, but it's a good time to reflect and pause on where you've come from and and where you're going to, I, I think, personally. Yeah. So in terms of strategy, it may never have been as important to review it, to have one if you've not got one. So it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on why it's important to have one and what you think we might be or should be doing with them. Yeah, kind of why have one? Kind of simple answer is is that you tend to get better performance. Done well, a a strategy will give you clarity as an organisation of what you're trying to achieve and how you're trying to get there. It builds alignment and it helps you make better decisions and it should over time help you deliver higher performance than you would if, if you didn't have one and that's true in normal times and it's true in abnormal times so we as you say we're in the middle of lockdown and I'm still working with a couple of clients on, on their strategy they've had, they've had to kind of respond to the crisis as best they can but the management team also want to think about the future and the other side of the crisis and how they're going to win so as you say it, it's I think it's critical that business owners and business managers realise the world on the other side of the crisis isn't going to be the same as the one before. It's going to be different. And thinking through that and starting to think about what that might mean for your business, I think is, is critical. A strategy is quite personal to each business. There's no right or wrong answer. It could be about finance. It could be about society, colleagues. It could be a mixture of everything, I assume. Yeah, yeah. Each organisation is unique. You know, there, there may be some crossovers between different different businesses, but I've never been able to work with a client with a with a kind of template of here is the strategy that will work for your business because it's all dependent on the situation at that time, the kind of skills they have in the organisation, and the history of the organisation. No two strategies can be the same. They shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. 
you must have some fascinating conversations and voyages of discovery then in terms of helping clients start to define their strategy or refine their strategy the way i like to work is is not for me to come up with a strategy but for to work with usually the top team sometimes it's bigger than that but to to work with them and to kind of do the heavy lifting as as a team so that everybody feels part of the process and bought in and one of the most interesting bits tend to be in recognizing where a business is now where you know if you ask the question where are we now where are we in our markets are we in a good position or are we in a bad position the, the thing that i tend to find is that managers will overestimate where a company actually sits in the market at any one point in time they are they are too optimistic about where they are i think it's a challenge to take the time or to understand the value of taking the time out to go through some of those processes yeah because we're, we're always busy lots of busy directors and executives do not want to take the time to do strategy because they want to get on and be doing something and get you know a feeling that, that they've achieved something but usually at the end of a kind of day or two day session that i run with them the most common reaction i get is well i wasn't really looking forward to this but this this has been far better than i ever thought it was going to be which is as close as I get to, to praise, really. But but it's that it, it requires a different set of muscles than a manager is is used to using. So it's not just about action, kind of making in, immediate decisions about what to do over the next few weeks. It's about thinking about who your organisation is, where you sit in your markets, what advantages you have, what weaknesses you have, and how you can win, kind of not just next week, but two years down the line, three years down the line. So it's... It's a different set of muscles and it takes a little bit of warming up for people um, to, to get into that sometimes. Yeah, I was probably in that mould when you came to speak to us. In fairness, it's very self-reflective. If, if it's a small organisation like ours, challenges you thinking definitely takes you to some places you'd not thought to go in, probably takes you away to some places you thought you were going, which is, is part of the process, but found it really useful. So... A strategy yeah. will probably be scared. It sounds like one of those big things and it's going to take ages and it's going to be really difficult. And that's not how I or we found it a rethink at all. How often do people revisit them? Is it something that lives and breathes all the time? Or is it some nice sentiment that once you've done it, you tick the box and move on? If we've done it well, it should, if, and you don't get a coronavirus kind of interrupting things if it was done <laughs> well it probably should last kind of two or three years and that doesn't mean you don't revisit it you should revisit it you shouldn't have to absolutely dismantle it because to, the difference is a strategy isn't a plan they are different a plan can fall out of a strategy but a strategy really is deciding how you're going to succeed in the future how what what you're trying to achieve and how you're going to how you're going to win the plan then falls out of the back of that. But that strategy, that kind of future back way of thinking, saying, well, here's the goal we want to set ourselves. We want to be famous for, I don't know, having being the lowest cost provider in our market, having the cheapest prices. We're, we're going to do that by having these amazing operational systems. If that's, that's not a plan, but that could be the, the essence of a strategy. That should stand the test of time if, it, if it's done well. 
I hope that my clients are looking at their strategy on a monthly basis to some extent and certainly following up in terms of the, the kind of key initiatives and key actions, making sure that, that things are being delivered, but also looking at the wider environment to make sure that the markets aren't changing so much that they need to um, refine the strategy along the way. Yeah, no, I'd agree. We we personally see it as a living and breathing thing and have a, a monthly check-in. Sometimes things change and moved on, other times we're on track. It's like the oil tanker, isn't it? Those small tweaks keep you on course because you can't really make a big u-turn because it's it is what it is yeah the worst instance is is companies that are very successful i i I have this saying that nothing fails like success and so kind of most companies that fail don't fail because they're bad at what they do they fail because they're great at what they do so if you think about kodak it didn't fail because it was bad at chemical film processing it failed as a business because it was brilliant at chemical film processing and it just struggled to get away from that as the digital market changed and so the i i find it companies in a crisis or kind of just coming out of a crisis are easy to do strategy with as are uh, as are companies that are striving trying to get on but the the difficult ones are companies where they're kind of winning already and they don't feel the need for strategy because they're winning and that's where that's why i say kind of nothing fails like success and and sometimes you, you get stuck on a plateau and that's that's the dangerous time for businesses a lot of the time yeah, it's interesting. I think what's the it was a phrase that I used to hear. I know we didn't work directly together at Boots, but something along the lines of it's easier to repair the roof when the sun's shining than when it's raining. Yeah. As in when times are good, do all that heavy work and your thinking work and your your strategy stuff rather than actually when you realise you've got a hole in the roof and things get quite tricky. Yeah. Talking of holes in the roof, I suspect we're in a bit of that place now with, with COVID. There'll be lots of reactive stuff going on and people are certainly putting in processes and, and ways of working that work now and maybe work for the next phase of social distancing but probably won't work sustainably or will have work rounds that aren't sustainable when they get back to being more normal whatever that's going to be how do you see people or what do you think people will be doing to address their strategies in light of where we are today heading towards some sort of normality that's probably not the same as where we've come from. Yeah, well, I'm kind of, I'm, as I say, I'm working with a couple of clients at the moment on their on their strategy and, and trying to answer the, that, that very question. What we're doing are kind of five steps, and I will do my best to remember the five steps. So, so the first thing that we're doing is thinking through how will the behaviours, uh, how will behaviours change on the other side of, of the crisis so how will their consumers and customers behaviors change how will their competitors behaviors change how will their suppliers behaviors change what will be the changes in behavior so kind of an obvious one is a shift to kind of online shopping and i believe that is going to be that's a fun it was happening anyway but the crisis has has accelerated that and i think it, it may fall back a bit after the after kind of we get back to some level of normal but I think there will be a step change up in terms of online shopping. And there are various others that will, you know, um, relevant to, to different companies in different situations. But understanding what are the behavioural shift is the first one. The second, so so we start there and then we think, well, what does that mean for your strategy? How, how well does your strategy meet against these potential new realities? 
Second thing we do is a bit of a deeper dive in terms of scenarios. So what could be some scenarios over the next two years in terms of economic bounce back, in terms of the length of the pandemic? You know, how optimistic, kind of from pessimistic to optimistic, could we be about what's going to happen in the market? And under those three or four scenarios that we might map out, we did four, I had a whole afternoon session yesterday going through four scenarios with the client, one of his clients. And we just went through and said, how robust is our strategy against this? If these are our kind of top five priorities at the moment as a business, how relevant are they in scenario A versus scenario B versus scenario C? And if they're relevant in all three, then let's crack on. If they're only relevant in some, then we might want to take stock of it and just have a bit more of a watching brief on it and maybe not commit so much to it. And if they're not really relevant to any of those scenarios, let's we might need to consider kind of changing it drastically or, or getting rid of that particular initiative. Yeah, so we do those two things and then kind of very quickly, kind of three more things. One, then we go back to the overall strategy, have a look at our goals, just think through a kind of the core essence of what the business is all about and how we're trying to win and our initiatives and just checking against that. But we also then look at the fourth step is the organisation. So what are any of the new kind of skills, capabilities? Do we need something different? So we were talking yesterday about having much better digital marketing capability in the organisation, for instance, on the back of this. And then fifth will be to turn that into an action plan. So that's the kind of thing that I'm doing uh, at the moment with a couple of clients in terms of thinking through about the future and and so that they can get on the front foot as we come out of the crisis. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. And I love the fact it's simple, it's tangible, it, it's actionable. There's an output at the end that you can pin things on and make people accountable or teams accountable for. If your strategy has now proved to be fundamentally flawed, mm-hmm. let's say, for example, you might be a big clothing retailer that doesn't have a website, there's still an opportunity, I assume, to fix that. Yeah, but you, but but there's always an opportunity to fix it. But you might you have to be willing to consider more radical alternatives. So you, how how could you start to to operate online if you're not if you don't have that website at the moment? What are your options available to you? Could you be using kind of partnering with with other players in some form or other? So what ways could you start to do that quicker? because these changes are accelerating, you know, if we accept that, then I think you just need to be willing to think more radically and not hold on to the business model that you currently have, because it might not be, might not be relevant. I mean, this is going back 20 years, but Whitbread, famous for their beer, got out of brewing 20 years ago because they realised that they couldn't win at it. And instead they went into the hospitality business. And by doing that, they, um, they created Premier Inn and Costa, but they really. But if you think if you think about the name Whitbread, everybody in the UK thinks it's a, it's a brewer, but it hasn't done any brewed any beer for for twenty years. You have to in strategy, you have to be willing to take a sharp left turn sometimes, and to think about more radical options as well as incremental options. And that, to me, that's the difference between strategy and planning. It's about thinking through how am I going to win two, three years down the line, not just how do I get five percent more growth. Costa are now Coca-Cola, aren't they? Both of those businesses you mentioned are probably good examples of where the strategy will will need to change because whatever measures are in place when we start to get back out there, unless it's a drive-through window, going into a coffee shop, queuing and sitting close to somebody 
to drink your coffee will probably be quite difficult, yeah. is my assumption, as, as well as going into a hotel, booking in, eating there, and then having somebody potentially come in and clean my room. So I, I think they're good examples of where strategy reviews and changes, short, medium, and long-term will, will be going into place and may even drive certainly in hotel world to automated chatbot check-in a way of having your room cleaned by a robot or some other wacky thing so i think what we see is in world wars times of adversity real innovation speeds up because all the barriers are are taken down because people need to get somewhere quickly which is always a bit disappointing when I think you come out the other side and it slows down again because that pace drops. Yeah, I think that they're two interesting ones to watch as the weeks play out in terms of... I'm just writing a paper at the moment on how... Because you're right, there's been so much innovation, really, and change. and Some projects that would take months, maybe even longer, to deliver have been done in the space of of a few weeks. So one of my clients has set up a whole click and collect they didn't have click and collect before, but it's a retail client. But within the space of two weeks, they'd set up a whole click and collect system for their customers. So the paper I'm writing is how can you get that level of speed and agility and turn it into a way of life rather than just a response to a to a crisis? I mean, it's not easy, but I think there are there are lessons you can learn about how you can man- maintain some elements of that level of, of pace and focus and uh, speed. Yeah, I think I think for me in that scenario, being more, if you want to call it agile, let's say, you've got to accept that not everything's going to work. So planning it to the nth degree and trying to work out all the scenarios and whiteboard it and storyboard it and get working groups and steering groups, it, that's good because it gives you regimentation and process. If you kind of cut that out, which I think is what a lot of people have done and said, you know, how do we spin up a website? What do we need? Mm-hmm. How do we do the e-commerce part? Right, just go do it. And you accept it gets you 60, 70, 80% away with some refinement. A really brave way of working, but actually I think gets you a lot further to knowing it works or doesn't than the historic way of doing it. Because we see probably like you, lots of big projects, certainly HR, payroll implementations that take, months if not years with lots of money and they still get to the end and some of them still don't work and they probably could have got there a lot quicker to find the same answer now it's not the answer they want but as you say it's that 80 20 isn't it you, the last 20 percent is often dysfunctional it takes 80 percent of the time to get those to, to plan through those changes and they often don't work anyway you know, my my mantra is think big start small learn fast that's what's happening with my client. They're starting with they started with a handful of stores. They doubled. They learned some stuff. They doubled it the following week. They doubled it again, um, and then I think next week they're rolling it out across across the chain. So it's that ability to to act your way and and learn as you go rather than having to plan. And that is critical in this period. But it's really it's been it's been critical for you know throughout life I, I, I guess. But the certainly going forward. Those companies that can learn at pace, learn faster than your competitors, will always have an edge. Yeah, and for me, the big, big thing in that is culture. So if you live in a blame culture, that agility is really difficult because everybody's looking for the 
person or group or function for why it didn't work. If you work in a a culture that's embracing and wants to learn from the mistakes rather than blame, I think that they'll flourish. So that comes down to senior leadership and business culture, which will be interesting. And those businesses are probably, like we talked about at the start, already successful. I completely, I completely agree with you. A kind of a couple of years ago, I was at the launch of a a new store trial for one of my clients, and I knew one of the project managers who was there at the launch. I said to him, "Oh, this this looks great. We are heavily involved in this project." And he turned to me and said, "Well, it's too early to say." And it's because he didn't want to get blamed if it if it went wrong. You know, he was he was going to be heavily involved if it went well, but not heavily involved if it didn't go well. And so. It's a leadership. It's a leadership job, isn't it, to uh, to create a culture where people are willing to take prudent risks, and and because the risk of failure of trying something is often better than the risk of not doing anything. Yeah, and I, I warned you we might veer off into football, but in another podcast I've done, we were talking about that. As I know, you're a Preston North End fan, and I'm a Leighton Orient fan. As a football or sports fan. It's very easy to sit there when a player does something wrong and criticise. They've not meant to do that. I don't know any professional sports person that would go on the pitch or field and mean to score an own goal, not mark the opponent from a corner, not get the longest driving goal for, miss the putt. And it's exactly the same in business. I don't think anybody starts out agile or not to do something that's unsuccessful but it's just a fact of life. Not everything's going to stick. And if you can learn from those mistakes and not repeat them, that's much more powerful than trying to pin blame. Yeah. So just as a by-the-by, one of my favourite moments watching Preston was a few seasons ago where Jermaine Beckford were in the semi-final, playoff semi-final against Chesterfield and Jermaine Beckford turned on the halfway line and shot. And my brother sitting next to me stood up showing, no, as the ball actually sailed over the goalie's head into, into the goal. So you've got to be careful not to shout things out too soon because, you you know, trying some difficult stuff can sometimes, you know, sometimes it works as well. I think it's been a, a fascinating chat, Stuart. I look forward to reading that when it when it's out. I assume that will be published on, will it be published on your website and, and LinkedIn page? Yeah. Morganfoss.co.uk is the website. And then, yeah, it'll be published next week. So. Brilliant. So if people want to pick up the conversation with you around strategy, uh, performance sprints, coaching, any other value driving streams, they can find you at, at the website you've just mentioned at, at LinkedIn. The one thing I kind of can say is we really did value the work when we'd done it. I suspect I didn't probably value it as much as I should have done going in, sure. which is a learning a learning for me. But no, we, we really did value the work. The thing, Simon, I would just say is we had an enjoyable day. I think we, we did. It, we had a laugh. Yeah, yeah it's good. The, Thinking about a business, I think, is a really exciting thing to do. Thinking about the possibilities is really engaging and exciting. And so we had a really, you know, we had a laugh, yeah, but we also had a really enjoyable day thinking about different ideas. And so yeah, and it's always time well spent. I think proud is probably the right word. The one thing I was proud of coming out of the day is it's probably the first time anybody, a bit like you, you run your own business, so you, you don't, you get feedback from customers, but nobody actually comes and says, you know what? Looking at the outside in here, I think you've done a good job. Mm-hmm. And and that was really powerful for me and some of your feedback. And that's not to say we've done everything right and there's not a load of stuff we can't do differently, but it was probably the first time I'd sat there and somebody said, actually, 
looking at what you've done and what you've shown us, you've done a really good job. Yeah. Well, I that, always think it's important if you're running your own business, you don't have a worse boss than you did before you ran your own business. So sometimes you have to be kind to yourself when you're the boss, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the one question we're leaving everybody with to answer on the, the podcast is, what's the best piece of business advice you've ever been given? When I was at Boots, Alec Gurley, uh, who was, he's now at Walgreens, kind of chief operating officer at Walgreens, but he was, uh, he was just kind of a director at Boots at, at the time, said to me that something along the lines of, you can go like any like a football team can have good seasons and bad seasons. People in their careers can have good seasons and bad seasons. Companies can have good seasons and bad seasons. And if you're going through a bad season, it doesn't mean that next season can't be a great season. Like that, and I like the fact it's a football analogy as well. So I'll I'll take that one. Here to help, <laughs> <laughs> Stuart. It's been a pleasure. Look after yourself and we'll catch up soon. Thanks a lot, Sammy. You take care. Bye now.